My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is a very special episode of Zen Parenting Radio. And the way we're going to do that is play a little of this. going on right here? A celebration to last throughout the years. So bring your good, good times. Sweetie, why are we celebrating today? Sweetie, I gotta, I gotta say something though. Right at the start Uh-oh. of our celebration, are you gonna criticize my song. Yeah, it's selection? such a predictable song. Okay, give me another one. Uh, um, let me think. I'm feeling a little off the cuff here. Well, while you do that, I'll just play some celebration sound effects. Okay, I like okay. that. Let's try that. Ooh. That's everybody cheering for us. That's great. Thanks, everybody. I don't even remember if you said why we're celebrating. Did you say it? Did you say no, why? Um, we are celebrating because it is our seventh, 700th episode today. Jeez. Seven, the big 700. That is a lot. Listen to all those people clapping for I us. I know. I know. I really appreciate it. You know, Todd, I got to pull back my, um, my uh, criticism because yeah. there's not a lot of songs. Should we go back to Cool in the Gang? Um, maybe. I mean, there's some, but we're not going to play We Are the Champions because we're not like champions of anything. We are the champions of Zen Parenting Radio. This is true. This is true. We, we do, we do uh, do that. So we have an interesting format today. And I wrote a bunch of stuff down, sweetie, but I want you to lead. But first, I want to talk about a few things on Team Zen. Okay. Big things. But here's... Oh, yes, you can do those two things, but we're going to try and keep this as date neutral as possible. Okay, so real quick. um, Kathy's leading a... What do you call it? A class? A virtual class? A workshop? Yeah, I would say it is a a talk um, that is... uh, It's going to be a 90-minute talk about the challenges that our teenage girls are facing right now. So I think we're calling it... Understanding our daughters. Yeah, understanding our daughters. And there's been all these articles that have come out lately and they've been... We've we've known that there's an epidemic of anxiety and there's an epidemic of um, sadness, you know, post-COVID and also pre-COVID, to be honest with you. But there's been some some new reporting about how this is affecting our girls. And so I wanted to have a discussion um, about it. So... Any parent of a girl, a daughter, doesn't matter if she's teenage yet or not. Um, if she's a teenager, definitely. If she's pre-adolescent, I think it's just as relative because there's a lot of pre, um, pre-work to do. Um, lay in the groundwork. Lay in the groundwork. And, uh, and my daughter, JC is going to join me. So she's going to help everybody kind of understand uh, from a Gen Z perspective. Um, and then we're also launching a brand new thing, the last Friday of the month, and... Is it called Ask Me Anything? Ask, it's ask, really us. Ask us anything. Because we're two people and yeah. not one. Ask us anything. And we have a spot. That I'll put the link in the show notes that right now, if you're like, oh, I, I wish Todd would weigh in on this situation I'm currently experiencing with my kid, or what do they think about that? You, or will you talk about this subject? Yeah. You know? It could be a personal question. Or an overall. Now, if you put it in there, uh, if, if you don't want your name in there, let me know. Mm-hmm. But there's two ways you could submit your questions. You could type it or you can um, just tell your... Speak it. Yeah, press record. There's an app on the phone. I think it's called SpeakPipe on your laptop or your phone or your Mac. And you could throw us a question and we will answer it. We're doing the last Friday of every month. Kathy, are, Kathy and I are going to do an Ask Us Anything podcast. So for the record, Zen Parenting comes out every Tuesday. We'll call it Zen Parenting Ask Us Anything. Here you go. ZPR. Ask us anything. Mm-hmm. 
So every Tuesday, our um, podcast comes out. The last Friday of the month, it's an Ask Us Anything. Yep. And we also do some pop culture, and there's going to be some new shows coming up yes. sometime soon. So yes. stay tuned for that. So in the spirit, oh, and Team Zen, it's 25 bucks a month. Um, just join. Well, speaking of the the women's, or excuse me, the the class I'm doing for understanding our daughters, you have to be on Team Zen. Oh, yeah. So I kind of missed that. that part. Um, if you join Team Zen, then you can be part of this class. Um, so it's twenty five dollars to join Team Zen, and you can just do you can get not only the the um, the offering that I'm offering, um, but then you can also have everything else that comes with Team Zen. And then if you you know you can cancel at any time, cancel at any time. Mm-hmm. So if you're not on Team Zen and you want to join. Wait, why? Why would you say it that way? If you're not on Team Zen, Zen Team and you Zen, want to join. If you're not on Team Zen, you can't join this talk. Got it. Too bad for them. I, I thought meant like if you're not on Team Zen, you can't join. If you are not on Team Zen, you can join this talk. You just have to join. Register. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you can't. Whatever. Okay, we got it. Going. Okay. Um, okay. So... You had an idea for what we want to do for our 700th. Yeah. So, so like way before the holidays, there was a few people who had asked me, will you guys just do a show about what is Zen parenting? So if somebody asks me what your show's about, I can just send them one podcast. Because when people say, Todd just asked me the other day, let's share our favorite podcasts. I don't know. There, we've done 700. I've been doing this 12 years. I have no idea what my favorite podcast is. I do, just so you know. What's your favorite? Well, I mean, I have a list of them. Oh, you do? Yeah, I don't so, have one single favorite. I do not. There, I I don't, I mean, I guess I would just have to d- do so much digging and reading. I just don't know. I love them all. Like, every discussion we've had has been, to me, important to me. You know, obviously, that's why we're having it. So, but this podcast, this number 700, we are going to talk about what is Zen parenting. Yeah. So, it's really... Um, it's more of an offering to everybody. Like, here's what we're real. Here's the, um, like the highlights mm-hmm. of what we discuss on this show, and it's basically the principles that Todd and I work around all the time. They are the things that we are like um, we focus on as far as our discussions. They're the universal principles of how we parent or how we think about the world. And so, really, there's nothing we've talked about in 700 episodes that doesn't somehow go in and out of the things we're about to share. Boom. So, okay. Do we want to share what the vision and mission of Zen Parenting is? Um, we have it. I don't have it memorized. I had to pull it up off our website. But uh, it may be in... Un- sure, go ahead. Our vision is to make the world a more civil and compassionate place by doing work we love with people we care about in a way that is aligned with our values, personality, and lifestyle. Okay, that was sounds all. good. I think I weighed in, but that was mostly you. Okay. Mission statement is to use experience, research, pop culture, and humor to explore and explain self-awareness and mindfulness. Reflective and respectful discourse is offered through the use of podcasts, conferences, blah, 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 everything we do. So that's our mission. So I want to start with this. Um, as far as what is Zen parenting, I think the thing that I find to be most helpful um, and also what I get the most feedback about, and this is not one of our principles yet, Todd, sure. is the way that Todd and I discuss things. Um If you have not been listening for a long time to Zen Parenting, a few things that you may need to know about us is that we do not agree about everything. Um, That's crazy. We're also very different. I tend to be more of an introvert. Um, I am much more sensitive, emotional, spiritual. Todd is more of an extrovert. 
and he's a lot more practical, pragmatic, logical. Um, obviously, over the years, we have blended, meaning there are plenty of times I'm pretty logical and there's plenty of times that he's very sensitive and emotional. It's not that we are only those things. It just tends to Our be- center of gravity. Center of gravity. My center of gravity things. is logic, uh, logic and practicality. What's interesting is lately on Zen Talks, I've noticed that I'm like kind of getting into this like, I don't know, expansive place when somebody asks a question, they're struggling with their kid and I'm like more going to the root and you're like, no, this is- Let's deal with that. You, you, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like more logical and practical. I agree. So we do switch roles quite often. So we do. And and I think that that's part of the importance of understanding is we're not one thing. I like what you just said about our center of gravity is one thing, kind of how we identify. But then the truth is we are all many things. And that's a big part of Zen parenting too, is understanding that we are multifaceted, multidimensional, and that we are not one thing. Um, and the reason why I really have liked this show is because I think that... So, Todd and I just come down here and start talking and we don't bring our problems to this show to be solved necessarily. What we, because that's, we have a personal life. Like I know people think they know a lot about us and they, they probably do because it's been 12 years. They probably know more about us than we know about them. Probably. Just a guess. But I also, I also know that when you and I come down here, our intention is to have a very, you use the word twice in our mission and vision, a civil conversation about how to see and understand each other better. And I feel like that's what we get the most feedback on is I wish that I could have a conversation with my partner the way that the two of you converse. I wish I could say the things I need to say in a way that feels, you know, authentic to me instead of reacting angrily or so what Todd and I do our best to practice on every show is how to talk about really difficult things, disagree or have challenges, internal challenges about things and then process it in a way that is civil and compassionate. And I I you know, with that said, can you think of a of a episode we've done where you haven't liked the way you have responded to things? I don't think I understand that question. Have you we ever done a podcast where you walked away and thought, I don't like the way that I responded to Kathy. I don't like the way that I um Yeah, conversed. like regret, like ooh. Yeah, like I, yeah. No, I mean maybe, but nothing spring into mind. Okay. Well, and I think for full transparency, and Kathy um kind of set this tone early on back in two thousand and whatever it was. 2011. We weren't going to bring an existing, and you just said this, an existing problem to the podcast, like and have us argue it and sift it out on on the podcast. There's times that sometimes something comes up within the podcast and we'll have a disagreement, Mm -hmm. but we don't like say, let's save this argument for the show. Like we usually are through it and then share it. Right. Right. Which is, I, you know, this was a discussion. This was a difficult discussion, you know, because we had many of them with Todd because sometimes he wanted to be like, yeah, let's let's work through this. And I really believe when you're talking about your own personal life that you only share things like that with people who have, and I'm using Brene Brown's quote, earn the right to hear them. And I'm as a listener, I'm not saying you haven't, you know, you guys, it's just earn the right means somebody that you trust, that you know will understand you, not be judgmental of your experiences. And I don't want to bring you know, challenges that I'm in the midst of dealing through to, to masses, mm-hmm. because then if I haven't worked through it yet, any comment or email I'm going to get is going to be really overwhelming and affecting Yeah. versus if Todd and I have worked through something, then we are bringing 
to the show what we have learned, where we stand. We may still disagree. We don't say, okay, now everything's kumbaya. But then if I get an email saying, Kathy, I disagree with you, I'm like, that's okay because I have worked through this already and I totally see your side, but I don't feel raw. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm being judged or bombarded. I feel like I did my due diligence and now I can tolerate other people's perspectives. And that's, I think, a form of self-care. Yeah. I think when we're way too vulnerable in the world where we go out and we're looking for everybody's approval or we're sharing right in the midst of a crisis, yep. um, it, for me, uh, that's too raw for me. Yeah. I, that's I save that for Todd, my best friends, my family, because those are the people who know every aspect of me. Yeah. Again, the multi-dimensionality. Is that a word? Um, I think that sounds like a word. And if it's not, let's just roll with it. Okay. So, uh, you know, just summarizing that in itself is I think that civil conversations has been one of the most important parts of this, these 12 years for me, Todd, is I feel like a lot of couples believe that having a civil conversation isn't possible. So can we talk a little bit about the difference between a civil conversation and a real conversation? Because sometimes if I'm feeling sad or afraid or mad, then um, it could be perceived as like, well, now's not a good time for us to have this conversation because I, I'm feeling really raw and I can't bring that. So sure. I wonder if we can just really quickly talk about that. Like civil doesn't always mean friendly. It means honest, Right. I, when I think of the word civil, I think of, um, again, you know, my intention is not to harm you. Sure. My intention is not to win. Right. My intention is to show up as authentic and honest and vulnerable as I can to share a piece of me with you. And then I listen to hear you do the same. And the, the civility behind it is I am not going to degrade you or dehumanize you yeah. or make you feel bad or bring up the past. I have no intention yeah. on trying to harm you. Yeah. And so I think what you're saying is like, there's the conversations we have off microphone, which are our personal life and our marriage. Sure. And those are not for everybody because those are the, those are, that's the deep diving work of like, I'm showing you my pain yeah. and that's not for the masses. Yeah. But then when we come here to talk about it, you know, some people will say, well, I, I even think when we are not emotionally charged in the moment, people mm -hmm. still have a problem with civility. Sure. I mean, you know, Sometimes the way people tell the stories that they'll tell me about, they'll kind of just be in a kind of rough mood and their kid will come home or say something and then they just snap at them. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, and it's, it, it's very human, Yeah. but it's not a civil conversation. It's not like, like to be able to recognize our reactivity, to be able to then, if we have that snapping moment, to apologize for mm -hmm. it, to be able to say, like one thing I love to do on this show, um, and it does, you're going to joke and say it doesn't happen that much, but it's not true, is Todd will explain something to me and I'll go, you're right, I was wrong. Like, I didn't see that that mm -hmm. way. I, you're, you're right. And I think that ability to say that to somebody, so many of us are so protected. Yeah, well, it's like, I feel like that's... Um there's an openness, there's a curiosity that, yeah. but the, not the problem, but I think the conversational point that I think we need to have is it's hard to do, it's more difficult to do that when we're in this reactive place, right? Correct, so like for if, sure. So, um, you know, maybe this is a little bit tangential, but I think when you and I get into trouble, and when I say trouble, I mean like we're having a rough conversation, conversation mm -hmm. it's when we're both Defense. in that place. Yeah. 
which happens a lot, hopefully. And, you know, Zen parenting is about the awareness around it, like, oh, what's happening in my body? And what is this reminding me of from my childhood and all that? But usually when we're, usually one of the two of us is in a, a, a neutral space to be able to hold the space for the other that is going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when, where a lot of couples get screwed up is when they're both. And that happens to us sometimes. Sure. But it doesn't happen as often as another couple that is like just really kind of run into a brick wall over and over and over again. Well, let's talk about that. So let's get into some of these pillars of what is end parenting. Because Todd read to you the mission statement and the vision statement. But what are the four things that we tend to cycle in and out of constantly? The first one is self-awareness. Okay. So there is nothing I've written about more in my 20 years of being a therapist than self-awareness. I think it's the most um, essential piece of any kind of healing, of any kind of support, of any kind of communication, of any kind of connection. Like there's, if you don't have self-awareness, then you don't have a map. You don't have a road. You have no, you're just kind of, you know, kind of just going by the seat of your pants without an understanding of how you are affecting people and why you are having the experience you're having. So I think one thing I'll, we'll keep talking about our conversations and in like, we'll kind of have our conversations that are civil and we will use these four principles to mm-hmm. kind of explain. So for example, a lot of times when Todd and I are both being defensive, which happens a lot, like I, I will tell you that- Reactionary, defensive. Any, defensive. Anywhere our scared animal shows up. like So my greatest self-awareness in my childhood and in my adulthood is that I don't often feel heard and I often feel alone. So these are two things I can say right now with not a ton of emotion because they're just a, a very like matter of fact thing that I've worked through for 20 years, right? It's something I know about myself. When I get scared, I feel alone. And when I um, run into a disagreement with Todd, the thing that drives me the most crazy is you are not hearing me, okay? Yeah. So what a lot of times I will do ahead of time, and Todd does this too, but I'm going to do my part and then his part is I will say, I know that right now I am feeling alone, which is why I'm blaming you for not understanding me because I feel like I'm doing this all by myself. All the emotion is coming from me, all, all, all. And even that I will often say, and I realize I'm using all, always and never. Never, always are, are words that are dangerous. So I do a lot of narrating while I am talking to Todd, even in the midst of emotion. And Todd will do a lot of narrating. What you say the most, Todd, and then you can say how you say it is you'll often say, I know I'm being defensive right now, but I need to say this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll say this. I know this is going to come out defensive. Yeah. And I just know whenever I'm defending myself, I'm not in a connective, I'm not putting myself in a connective place. I'm not open. I'm not curious. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to um, yeah, I'm, yeah, so. Well, and here's how I see it often, uh, cause we were just having a big discussion like last Friday where we were having this back and forth. And when you said, I'm being very defensive right now, I knew whatever you were going to say was not going to be like helpful to me, but I also felt like you had to say it. So you knew, I kind of visualize a conversation like you're setting this table and there's mm-hmm. all this information you're throwing on the table and you needed that to be on the table mm-hmm. of you may think blah, 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 but I... Mm-hmm 
was not intending to do that. And I know this is defensive, but I need to say this. So you're going to put that on the table. And then I feel like you can be less defensive because mm-hmm. you've said it. Yeah. Because if you're holding back. All the things. Right. But your ability to narrate the fact that you are being defensive keeps me from feeling like I have to completely disregard what mm-hmm. you just said. Because you know where it's coming from. So there's this like willingness, the self-awareness piece of Zen parenting is this willingness to understand your own process and not think that Todd is causing my pain. Yeah. Todd may be triggering my pain. Yeah. Like what he said, what he did, what he didn't do may be affecting me because of my past experiences, because my belief that I'm alone, because I feel like nobody hears me and it's just really exacerbating those feelings. But I know their start, he wouldn't have even triggered that without me having that. Mm-hmm. And again, I know um, oftentimes Todd and I are talking about pretty much everyday things on this show. I do understand. Like I'm just saying this because I'm a social worker and I always have to say these things on the show. There are things like domestic abuse. They're, you know, they're emotionally abusive, all those kind of things. A partner that is, you know, cheating on you or is having other, there are pieces that don't belong in this conversation. Sure. Abuse is abuse. Um, you know, somebody who is intentionally harming you or, you know, keeping secrets, that's a totally different conversation. Yeah. We're, we're assuming that there's two people that are doing their best yeah. to show up for each other and they may be dropping the ball a lot, but it's just because they, it's not because they're trying to intentionally harm. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't have this skill set. That's who Todd and I are trying to talk to most of the time and letting everybody know that it's an ongoing, ongoing, ongoing process, that it's not one conversation. I feel like just one real brief example, and I don't even remember what the details were, but when I, last Monday when we had that talk, it was, uh, you were talking about something about, you know, the sacrifice that you make for the Mm -hmm. family and all Mm -hmm. the things that you do for the family. And, you know, when I hear something like that, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but what about all these things that I do? That I do, Mm -hmm. or like, do you not think that I also make sacrifices. So like what I said was like, I know this is going to come out defensive, but I also, there's times when I'm also putting others in front of myself. And when I say others, I mean this family instead of going doing whatever the heck I want. Mm -hmm. So I just want to like give somebody like a real world example of how that looks like it's, it's like, well, what's the difference between if you say you're defensive or you just say the thing, I think it does soften it up a bit saying, listen, I know I'm coming from this reactive place right now when I share this, but I'm going to share it anyways. Um, versus, yeah, but what about all the things I do? Correct. And you buffer it by saying, I'm going to be defensive right now because I need to defend myself. I feel like I need to say this thing. And oftentimes before I even say the thing I'm going to say, I will say, I know that you're going to have a response to this and you're going to think I don't see you. And I do see everything that you do. Um, and it's not that I don't notice what you're doing, but I think you're, you believe certain things to be sacrifices where a lot of my things are kind of the invisible kinds of sacrifices or the overall life, you know, and again, I don't want to dig into that conversation. What I, what's most important is that what the goal is with this self-awareness, you know, pillar is Do you understand why this thing is affecting you? And can your partner have compassion for that part of you, even if they don't fully agree that 
um, they may not, you know, let's just use something very generic. You know, you hurt me when you said this word, when you said this, it really hurt me. That partner may be like, okay, like it's just a word, like get over it. But see, that's not helpful. What it is, is being curious Mm -hmm. and saying, explain to me more, because obviously that wasn't my intention to hurt you. Explain to me more why that word hurt you. And then the self-awareness piece is essential because if I don't understand why, if I just say, well, you shouldn't have used it and it's just not okay, there's no information in there for the other person. What I would need to say is because I feel alone a lot, when you're dismissive with a word, I feel like it's like re... um, reestablishing that where I really am alone or I feel really, um, you know, what was the other thing that I feel besides lonely? Uh, alone oh, unheard. and unheard, yeah. Or I feel like when you use that word, you're not here. Like Todd and I have conversations about the same things over and over again where, you know, like love languages and stuff. And I'm like, I feel like I tell you over and over again, here's my love language, but it, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so then I feel like I'm unhurt. So and then, and then I say, but I understand that's because those are my challenges. Yeah. And so this is less about, Todd, you are defective, and more about whatever you're doing or attempting to do is not reaching me. Not only is it not reaching me, I, I feel like a, a barrier, yeah. and because I get all reared up and defensive. So you understand, if you don't have that self-awareness piece, if you don't know your history, if you don't know your generational patterns, if you don't know yourself how will you ever explain yourself yeah so i feel like where you're going and the, you know obviously most all of this stuff we've already talked about but it's like i don't know if we i used to use the term achilles heel mm-hmm. like my achilles heel was uh just don't passive go quiet aggressive. on me passive mm-hmm. aggressive um and your achilles heel was um you know me being distracted on my phone and you trying to have a an important conversation with me, like that's, that's a really quick way to, for things to go sideways. So, Mm -hmm. um, so trigger points. So like we have to, so when you talk about self-awareness, we have to know what our trigger points Mm -hmm. are. We need to know what our Achilles heels are. You just said both of your big ones. And at this moment, like, I don't know if I have the, you know, in right now, like what are my big trigger points? I know what it is. Okay. Help me out. You don't like to be considered Mm non-emotional. You don't like to be considered that you're not paying attention and you get scared because you think you're lacking something. Mm -hmm. Cause you will say, you will say, I get really scared when you say I'm not understanding how you're feeling Mm -hmm. because then I feel like I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean missing something with me. You feel like you're missing it internally. You're like, am I (laughs) non-emotional? Like you get really, and, and that is not like in that moment when someone's being vulnerable, like obviously I don't believe that about you, but you would never be like, yes, you're not, you would say, I don't think that at all. But what I think is the way you Mm -hmm. are sharing emotions is not necessarily you know, like, and this is just a little bit of the conversation, but Todd was feeling like he really wanted to connect or give to me. And so he started to do a bunch of chores around the house. Yeah. And that's his way. He's acts of service. Right. But I don't feel that like I can do that, you know? And so there's like a, so he is trying to be emotional and connective. It's just our conversation isn't you're doing it wrong overall. It's like, how can we better understand what each other needs. Well, and um, this is why relationships are challenging yes. because <clears throat> I have my history and yes. all my baggage yes. and all my trigger points. Yes. And it's hard for me to even navigate that within myself. Yes. Now you throw another person 
into that equation and you have your baggage and your history and your trigger points and, and three the way kids. three kids yep. the way you want to be loved yep. like these this whole relationship thing or like talk about a teenager like mm-hmm. how do you connect with a teenager yep. or who's really trying to navigate through a very complicated world yep. with all of their uh, newness to experience like uh, so i think the bottom line what i'm getting at is this is challenging and sometimes uncomfortable and sometimes fun and all the above. But it's just, it's not supposed to be this easy. Well, and here's the thing. I wish it were. The reason why, okay, so Zen parenting is, like I said, like we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, civil conversations, compassionate conversations, self-aware conversations, hopefully with each other first, because the practice with two adults who are willing to commit their lives to each other, you know, in marriage or in partnership, there's hopefully a sense of safety where you can have these conversations and kind of show all these aspects of yourselves. Why? Because then you can also do this with your kids. Then you can do this with your friends. Like, and you're, you're not just working on one relationship in this. You are learning new practices, new, you are building new neural pathways in your brain. So when you go out into the world, you are then more self-aware and compassionate with everybody else. So this is not just a one lane kind of experience. Right. And we invest the most we can with the people that are in our innermost circle. Like if you're doing a lot of work with, you know, your boss or your employee, yeah, it's an important relationship, but it is as important as the one that you have with your kid or your right. life partner. Right. And so I, I see sometimes that people do more work on other relationships than the one that probably means the most. And the one that means the most is the one that I have with myself. And then the second most important is the one that I have with you. So let's clarify that. The first most important relationship is the one I have with myself because we're talking about what is Zen parenting here. What does that mean? That in the self-help world or in a more like, um, you know, cultish cultural world can be misunderstood. Why do we need to have a relationship with ourselves first? Because of everything we just said. If you don't know... So Todd, Scholastic has a new book called When Things Aren't Going Right... Go left. That's what I do. I know you do. It's a picture book that reminds readers of the power they have to direct their own path. So the artwork was by New York Times bestselling creator Peter H. Reynolds, and it was written by debut author Mark Cola Giovanni. The reading level is ages four through eight or grades preschool through third grade. And the powerful story can apply to anyone of any age. So maybe even us, sweetie. And you know what? I think this book, When Things Aren't Going Right, Go Left, could be a great graduation gift. Hey, everybody. Are you looking for a way to entertain your kids in the car or maybe just a way to wind them down before bed? Then you've got to try Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. But really, it's for everybody because, Todd, you and I were using it in the car ourselves. We did. Here is an example of the trivia that we did. So, sweetie, you ready for a trivia question? I am ready. This one's on vampires. Oh, I like vampires. What animal named after vampires drinks the blood of other animals? Dracula toads? Vampire bats or Nosferatu cans? Vampire bats. I think you're right on this one. That's my guess. The answer. 
answer is vampire bats. Some vampire bat species get all their nutrition just from drinking blood. Pinna provides a reliable routine you can stick with and something you can engage with daily or weekly. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school or for weekend getaways. Uh, one of my favorite parts, it's ad-free and there it's screen-free entertainment. It's a routine the kids can look forward to, and we look forward to, and it makes car rides more enjoyable for everybody. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to pinna.fm slash promo to sign up and use code ZPR at checkout. That's P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo. So it's only 35 bucks for the whole year with their discount. So you can't go wrong. Pinna, awesome audio for kids. And now on with the show. Need to have a relationship with ourselves first because of everything we just said. If you don't know yourself, you can't communicate well with other people. And the process of getting to know yourself is ongoing. You it's never, a practice. You, you never get there. So when I say you need to know yourself, I don't mean you need to know yourself completely, then you can go out. I mean, that needs to be part of your equation all the time. This could be basic stuff. I'm really hungry right now, so I'm going to be kind of grumpy. I'm really tired right now. Like, it's not always about our history of trauma. Some things are just about what energy are you bringing to the conversations with the people you love most? And are you blaming other people for how you feel? Are you expecting other people to make you feel better about yourself or about the world? So real quick, I think that's a really important piece. Like there's three different ways to uh, explain grumpiness, Okay. right? So could we all get grumpy? Sure. One is to say, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I'm really grumpy. Right. And if I'm really short with you, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. Yep. That's, that's the first one. Second one is... Um, I'm grumpy, and they don't know why. They just know they're grumpy, right? Yeah, I'm grumpy. I'm just grumpy, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is actually a, a little bit of a gift, not as much as the yeah. first one. And the last one is to not even acknowledge they're grumpy and just start blaming the world for all their problems. Correct. So that is like one example of how do we convey our grumpiness. And, it, you know, first one is have an awareness of it, take ownership of it. And the second, to, second one is at least let, letting somebody know that, hey, I'm not in the best place. And the third one is to spew out negativity. So, and let me talk about the three ways to respond to that. Yeah. That may not be helpful. The first one, when someone says, and let's pretend it's your teenager instead of your partner, I'm really grumpy because I didn't get good sleep tonight. Do not respond by saying, I told you to go to bed. <laughs> I told you, you didn't, you shouldn't stay up. It's your, it's your goddamn phone. Like that is not helpful. I know you're feeling it inside. I know it's like the thing we want to say. We want to, I told you so, our kids to death. We want to say, I told you how to live and you're not living the way I told you how to live. Instead, it's just to stay curious, to say, you didn't get a lot of sleep. What was going on? Were there noises? Were there? Tell me about it. And usually they have a story. Well, or or maybe say that sucks. Like, you can do it. that too. Just say that sucks. I, I tend to be like continue the story yeah. just because I'm usually making breakfast or doing something. Yeah. It's like let's keep having a conversation yeah. because I don't love it when people just say to me. And again, this is about self awareness. I'm not saying I'm always right because Todd, you may be very right in that situation. But I don't like it when people are like, that sucks, and they're done. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm trying to have a conversation here. Yeah. I'm trying to share. Um, and so it's like then they can share with you, and you're like, oh, well, I hope you get better sleep tonight. So it's a much more compassionate, connective way rather than I'm going to win this argument and tell you why you're wrong. So, And then the next one 
you know, I'm just grumpy and say, oh, I have days like that too. Versus, well, you're grumpy. Well, don't take it out on me. Well, then stay away from me then. That's not helpful. And then the third one of like, they're just grumpy everywhere. Maybe just to recognize it sounds like you're having a hard day. And again, I know that's not easy. Every time I have these conversations with people, people say, well, that sounds great in theory, but when I'm activated, that's hard for me to respond that way. That's the discomfort that Todd's talking about. You are, when you are making a choice to say something compassionate or different, it feels uncomfortable because you're doing something new. You are trying something you haven't tried. You are building new neural pathways in your head. And you're not doing manipulative things like I'm going to make pers- a person think this or I'm going to win or I'm going to be this. You're trying to really connect with this human in front of you. And we've all got egos. So that can be really hard because we want to win. But the discomfort is worth it's it's worth it mm-hmm. because and I'm not saying it's going to make everything magical in that moment. You're just shifting a dynamic. Well, and all those pieces of discomfort, that's when we grow. That's when we learn. That's when we more deeply understand ourselves and the other. Like, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, I don't do much learning when everything is going just great. Yeah, just smooth. So if we Mm -hmm. could just like maybe take the edge off of the discomfort and be like, wow, there's something here for me. I don't know what it is, but there's something here. So let me get curious about it. You know, it's interesting. I've kind of always, this is, it's an interesting conversation because I am not one who like looks forward to discomfort or, or searches out discomfort because- It's against our wiring. Yeah, it's- i supposed to. Who wants that, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to struggle. But um, there is an understanding of that when something comes up and I'm feeling it in me or in one of my kids or in Todd or whatever, I don't like it, but I do know- that if we can talk it through, we're going to be closer. stronger. And so it's like, I don't search it out. I don't recommend that anybody looks for problems. But when they come up, because they will, the ability to do something that is more geared towards self-awareness, compassion. So I, I would say every rupture, maybe not every, or most ruptures, most, most conflicts that you and I have ever had, I have felt stronger to you as a result. Well, and you know, you just know each other better. Like I I just, you know, when you've gone through something and you've done it in, it's never perfect. Sometimes it gets messy and you say things and you have to apologize or like you have to take breaks. It's not like it flows perfectly, but you then realize what you're capable of doing together. Mm -hmm. You realize that I can have some shadow here. I can, and shadow just means that I can show up and, and have, share the darker parts of me that are more hidden. I can talk about things that hurt me rather than feeling like I have to be in control all the time. I can... Um, well, you're just talking about vulnerability. Vulnerability, right. So so self... Like going back to the pillars just so we can get through them. Okay. Self-awareness is the first pillar. I've already used compassion a time and a million times. So that's the next pillar for us in Zen parenting is... How do we be more compassionate toward ourselves? And we actually did a whole show last week about self-compassion, yep. Todd. Um, and, and then can we take that learning and apply it to every relationship? The more judgmental and harsher we are on ourselves, the more we impose that on others. This is not, that's not like a magical thing. That's just the way it goes. If you are constantly judging yourself, then you are judging others because that's your lens. And it doesn't mean you're mean to others. You may be able to. They're hidden projections. They're hidden hidden judgments. Because, yeah, because what we talked about last week is most of the time I'm harder on myself than I am on other people. Most of the time, not always. So it's, but, but if we can't go easy on ourselves, then there's going to be hidden projections of everything, everything we see in the world. 
And and the ego is super involved. So Todd, I think you'll work through this with me. Like Todd historically, and it's not so much now, but was is always frustrated about people being late. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, people should be on time and they should just be on time. And why don't people understand time? And, you know, and I get it, but this has been going on since the girls were little, you know, and I, while I respect that because timeliness is wonderful, like it's accountability, it's responsibility. It's not that I don't see the value in it. I just don't believe sometimes the way that Todd was utilizing it didn't have a lot of humanity. Mm -hmm. There was only what's most important, regardless of what's going on, being there is the most important thing on time. Like he was, so what I understood and you, Todd, tell me if I'm right or wrong, is you were hard on yourself about time. Sure. So then you applied that to the rest of the world. Yeah. But once you were able to recognize, um, you know, sometimes we're going to be late because my kid needs me right now, or there is a car accident and there's nothing I can do about it. And you were more compassionate toward yourself. Then you weren't so pissed at other people. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. And am I through that? No, I still get annoyed when people are not on time. I probably have loosened the grip a little bit. Mm -hmm. I used to be really hard, uh, regarding my relationship with money. I've loosened the grip a little bit. Am I through it? No, No. but I'm getting better. And it's funny. You talk about self-awareness. Like when I've traced back my history of time, I think of my first day at Dominic's grocery store and I was an hour late because my dad didn't wear this water park. So like if he didn't drop you off, he didn't drop me off on time. And I almost lost my job and I was so excited. It was my first real job yeah. and I was an hour late. Yeah. I can't believe the guy didn't fire me. And, you know, like the reason I bring that up and we're moving backwards to self-awareness, but like that I have to like get curious, like what is it about time that I get so jacked up over? Um, and And I'm certainly not through it, but I am reframing it a bit. Self-compassionate. Yeah, a little more self-compassionate. Because basically you had a feeling that day. You tell the story very matter-of-factly and we laugh about it because your dad, you know, <laughs> that was sometimes... Yeah, he's like, don't he worry, did. I'll get you there on time. And so we have a laugh about it, but the truth is there's emotions that live behind that. Sure. Embarrassment, shame, yep. um, disconnection, feelings of, of lack of worthiness. So you don't want to feel that again. Mm -hmm. You don't want to feel the way you did at that Dominic store. So you're going to do a lot of things yeah. to keep from ever having that feeling. And what you have, that is gelled around being on time. Yeah. And the thing is, is this is where these discussions get difficult because of course that's a good value. Yeah. But when it's rigid... You know, like we would be, you know, Todd, I don't, I, it's hard to think about when the girls were little. I just know that if the girls needed something and I needed to change them before a birthday party, I wasn't worried if we were two or three minutes late and Todd was so stressed about it. And I was like, dude, human being first, the clock second. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I'll apologize when I get there. I'll take responsibility. I won't walk in and say, everybody should just accommodate me, but you can text ahead of time or call and say, we're going to be five minutes late. So here's my really quick thing about time. And then we okay. can move to the next pillar. Um, I think all the things that we're talking about is correct. Everything you're saying is right. And you know, if I'm on with a coaching call with a client, and he, it's one minute past the hour because I have a commitment. I'm going to be there ready on time. And right. I don't, I've never been late because it's important to me to show up on Zoom sure. at the exact right time. It's a value. It's know. a value mm -hmm. in me. And if the guy is a minute late, you know, I'm not going to like say, oh, session's over, blah, blah, blah. But um, it, it reduces the drama in my life if I have clear agreements with, at least in this professional setting, you know, like relationship and kids birthday parties it's something different but in a professional setting 
it just reduces the amount of drama. Like, here's the expectations. I'm going to be there on time. And if you can't be there, renegotiate beforehand. So anyways, I, we could do a whole podcast on Well, that. and let me say this, is that I agree with you. I think that you in a coaching practice one-on-one have the right to set a certain boundary around yeah. this is what I expect. And you're, and that is your value system. It's something you're trying to teach, responsibility, showing up, you know, yep. being accountable. Yep. I, there's no problem. The only issue that I have, the way I come in at it, is I have been late to things before. I'm not chronically late. That's mm-hmm. not that's not a part. But sometimes it's a computer thing. Sometimes it's a kid thing. Sometimes it's a phone call that I was having to deal with with something with my mom. Yep. Things that where if you're too rigid, mm-hmm. you miss this part of this person's life. If you have a client who is late every week, yeah. then that's a totally different thing. So my rule is 90% of my agreements Beautiful, beautiful. And that, and that... then the other 10, I try to renegotiate. Re- Sometimes I just break a commitment. Um, but the uh, if I can, I re- renegotiate before the commitment is broken. Hey, I know I'd be there at four o'clock. I just, I, I didn't get out of the house on time. I'm going to be there at 4.30. Like that, that's okay with me. But yeah, so 100%, it is too rigid, but... I'm, my rule is 90%, 90%. Well, and just to like get, you know, metaphorical about it, it's like when, you know, there's a lot of poetry about trees and part of the reason they're able to stay standing and be healthy is because they can blow in the wind. Yes. And if a tree they is lose. too rigid, it breaks. Yep. If a tree has some flexibility, and that's the thing is that I know that there are people that take that flexibility and use it to um, get out of things and not be accountable. Yeah. Again, you've got to see these things as a pendulum or yeah. a spectrum that some people do manipulate. But most of the time, that's not what people are doing. Mm-hmm. And if we can you know, have that place in between of like, and, and Todd's right, like I am the same way. When we have an interview with somebody or I have a client, time, you know, if you're going to be five minutes late, that's fine. You, but you got to tell me, you know, so I'm not waiting. Like there are expectations. So next one, Todd. So we've done self-awareness. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about the overall civility. We talked about compassion. The next um, thing is mindfulness, Okay. which I think that you and I, even though there's all these layers of mindfulness, if you've read my book, Zen Parenting, I have a whole section on mindfulness and what it means. And so meditation is in there or journaling is in there or just breathing and all these different ways of breathing. So there's ways to practice mindfulness, but the way that Todd and I use it, and Todd, you can tell me if you agree when it comes to Zen parenting or relationships with others is are you in present time with the person that you're talking to? Because so many parents talk to me about, my kid said this to me, so I'm afraid in five years, this is how they'll be. My kid is two and they hit a kid, so I'm afraid they're going to be a bully when they're five. You're not present with this person. What you are is you're worried about the past or the future. Yeah. Very human. That's what our brain does. It can give yourself compassion when your brain starts scanning the environment of potential threats of five years down the road and then come back to the moment. That's what the brain does. Like, so that's Thank you, Todd, for saying compassion. Like, you don't need to beat yourself up about that thought. But what you can do is say, okay, that is five years from now. Right now, I'm going to focus on the kid in front of me. Right now, I'm going to focus on my partner in front of me. What is this issue now? Not what could it be or what was it? So real world example, we have an 18-year-old and we're dancing with the idea of what time she's going to get home at night. And it's going really well. But almost without exception, there's times like, yeah, but what if she gets home at four in the morning? You say that a lot. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's like, but she's not. Yeah. She's not. But I'm like, but if we're too loose, then she might get home at four in the morning or she might stay out all night. And you're kind of like, 
well, if that happens, we'll deal with it. Well, I said there's, I watched 30 Rock over and over and over again. And there's this episode where Kenneth Parcells says, I don't do hypotheticals. It's like lying to my brain. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with him. Like, why are we, I don't mind doing hypotheticals occasionally to like talk through something, but when a parent, any parent, parent speaker or writer like I am and like Todd is, you always have parents who say that to you. Yep. They'll say, you'll say, well, why don't you do this or that? And they'll say, yeah, but what if that doesn't work? Or they'll say, yeah, but what about tomorrow? And there's always this, this going to, well, that's not going to work. Or it, when it doesn't work, what do I do next? And that's not mindful. That's not present. That's, that's try this, shift the dynamic, and then let's deal with tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you still may have a question tomorrow. It's not that you're irrelevant for asking it, but what you're doing is you're worried about like having planned A, B, C, D, E, F. Yeah. And why don't you just start with A yeah. and then, then move to B if you need to. So Todd and I, you know, play that game all the time of, and again, it's very normal. And I think, you know, the example you just gave, you are the one saying, but what if this happens? And, but there are times that I'm the what if person, like, I'm like, I think I get more instantly fearful about certain things where I'll be like, well, what if, what if there's a car accident? Right. And you're like, one there won't I'm be. Like, yeah, I think it was like, I think my sister was in from California. I'm like, oh, she's going to borrow our car. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what if she has an accident? I'm like, uh, or I no, it wasn't the accident. I said, what if I need it? Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? And same thing, but my whole, and again, self-awareness, my whole upbringing, my father's like, you don't let people borrow your car. Like, and maybe he was doing that because in college, he didn't want other people driving my car. He probably had some ulterior motives sure in there, but here I am an adult and it's family and it's okay. And Todd never really had a car growing up that someone was saying that to him, but I've got all this internal programming about you don't let people drive your car. Mm -hmm. That I think has, and I take total responsibility for that. Like mm -hmm. I know I'm hard around that, Todd, um, but that's a hard thing for me to break. Sure. Because what if some? What if I do need it? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it, it. So it is a for me to be able to say you're not wrong for suggesting that, but here's my fear. Yeah. Or here's my programming. And then we can kind of get into the specifics of what will that look like. Yeah. Did we end up doing it? Loaning. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It took a bit Yeah. for me to say it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's gonna, she's going to be okay. I mean, I also get into an airplane and I worry about turbulence. Like I have fears that are very like reptilian, mm -hmm. you know, like things like, oh my God, it's shaking so much. And I know that it's fine. Yeah. But I don't. I I... My brain Your doesn't. nervous system reacts in a certain way. Yes. You think you might die because you go into a big tube in the sky, which makes sense. And Todd's asleep on the plane. Yeah. And I'm and like, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm just finishing a Freakonomics podcast about how it's safer to get on a commercial airliner than it is to cross the street. Yeah. And I cross the street a lot. I know. And I get in the car a lot. All less safe than me going up in the air. Like, I actually feel most safe in the world in an airplane. Wow. I mean, I'm not going to die. I can get hurt. Turbulence does sometimes cause injury because people aren't buckled in. But the uh, the the possibility of dying on a commercial airline is not going to happen. It's simply, it's one in a bazillion. And there are people who listen yep. who maybe have had someone. Yeah. And so obviously it is a thing. Yeah. But it's not common. And I, what I always think about, well, two things, because, you know, our friend Jason is a pilot and he kind of has explained some things to me and I feel better about that. But I also think about that flight attendants do this for a living. They go up in a plane two to three times a day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if they can do that, I can, get I on can this do plane. this. Yeah. So we all have games we play. So 
mindfulness is about being here. The last one is connection. I would say that Zen Parenting, this podcast, everything we write about, talk about is connection. It's to me the most important piece of being a parent. It's the most important piece of being in a partnership. The goal is always to stay connected. And there will be moments of disconnection, of course, but then the goal is to find a way to reconnect. So one of the things that we talk about all the time is when kids are growing and changing, we often try and utilize the exact same things over and over with them to reconnect. And what we have to be willing to do is shift to realize that the kid we went fishing with when they were nine or 10 doesn't want to go fishing anymore. And so we keep trying to utilize that same tool of connection and they would much rather um, watch TikTok. They would much rather play their clarinet. They would much rather play their sport. They would, And we have to then connect through a different way. Mm-hmm. We as the parents are the leaders. So sometimes we'll say, well, my kid's not connecting with me. Well, we are the adults. They are the growing brains. We have to come into a situation and find ways to connect as we are leading the charge. Let's just say that. And every time they have a shift and every time they grow, we have to continue to lead that charge. Yeah. And I'm guessing connection comes last because it's near impossible to connect without these first three attributes. And and if you are connected, you will have times in your partnership with your children where you will disconnect. Yeah. There's no way around it. This Talk about the discomfort that Todd was talking about. You are never going to have constant smooth sailing. Their life doesn't work that way. Like the, you know, my book, it's all about dealing with the unpredictability of the world. If there's one thing that I can guarantee to all of you, things are going to change and life will be unpredictable. So your ability to manage reconnection is your is the skill we're looking for. It's not holding on to connection for dear life. Again, that's rigidity. Yeah, there's no yeah, the idea of being constantly connected or or feeling good about relationships, if you're doing it right, it's going to be messy. And follow the lead of the person you love. Like I've noticed with all of our kids, like there's certain jokes we have, or there's certain things that we say. And then you start to notice in a kid that it's no longer funny to them, or they're feeling like you're infantilizing them, or they're feeling like they're unseen. And instead of keep doing that thing or throwing that joke out there or trying to like, you shift you you say, you know what, I don't think they like that anymore. Or, you know, something we do as a family. And we're like, oh, this is what we do. And then you start to notice your kids, like, dread it. Maybe then don't do that and find another way to connect. Like, there's – the world is so vast. Like, there's so many ways to stay connected. Well, and Zen Talks, um, you know, and we, we are as guilty as anybody who asks questions. But I feel like um, when somebody's struggling with their kid – they keep ramming their head against the wall, yeah. trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And the invitation for me and anybody who wants to follow is get curious, like, oh, this doesn't work. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. And just keep adjusting and adjusting and trying things differently, like come up with a different way of saying it. Or maybe instead of saying something, you don't say something. Or instead of maybe not saying anything, you say just... Like, or instead of saying it with words that you're speaking, write a note, yeah. write a letter, write a post-it, ask for somebody else to, that they love and trust to intervene and mediate, ask, you know, get professional help. Like what we need to do is be um, agile fluid. enough and fluid to to try new things. And, and it doesn't have to be 
every single second. But if you're noticing disconnection is occurring, like it's okay to have times where there's a good rhythm with everybody where you're like, oh, things mm-hmm. are pretty good. But when you start to notice that disconnection or where you just don't really know, and I know all of you listening who have pre-adolescence or teenagers who are in their rooms a lot and they're not talking to you as much, there's some normalcy to that. They're not supposed to be talking to you like they did when they were eight or nine. Now, if they are still great, um, that may be their personality type. That may be a kind of safety you created in your home. All good. But there is a, you know, kids need to individualize from us so they can go out in the world and not miss us overwhelmingly. They need to figure out how to separate a little bit and have their own lives. Mm -hmm. And so when we keep trying to suction ourselves to them, we are not allowing them to do what they need to do. At the same time, how does connection look now, now that you're individuating? For me, when my girls got older, I depended a lot more on text. I depended a lot more on watching movies with them. I depended a lot more on TV shows. Sometimes they watched them with us, sometimes they didn't, but it didn't keep me from sending them a uh, you know, a, an article about a show we were watching books, you know, like I, yeah, you wrote those notes on their doors. Yeah. And- wrote notes on their doors. Like what I'm, what I'm saying to everybody is that there's a lot of normalcy in child development and child development is a whole nother podcast. Sometimes we talk about it here, but understand the way your child's brain works and then start to, with that knowledge, start to, you know, move around them and figure out who they are. So this is what we're going to do. Okay. Um, we're going to do a part two to this podcast because I didn't get to any of my stuff and I didn't think I would. Oh, wow. Um, and it's more not like my rules of parenting for myself. It's more like stuff I've learned. Okay. okay like and I'm just going to preview it for next week. Okay. Let's hear it. And none of this may be new to anybody, but I just kind of like for, put it all in one place. Uh, discussion, not discipline. Okay. Or said another way, conversations, not deliberate consequences. Okay. Because it comes to, from my own childhood, like, oh, you're grounded and all that stuff. Right. Oh, we talked about that. Which leads to another Mm -hmm. one, like cop-out parenting. Yeah. Sometimes grounding your kid is a cop-out, right? (laughs) It depends. Depends. Um, This is a total oversimplification of my parenting model, but keep them safe and then get the hell out of their way. Mm -hmm. Like, just keep them safe and then get out of their way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say safe means make sure that when they come home, they feel like they're not going to be judged and they're going to feel like they could be themselves in their mm-hmm. house as yeah. opposed to being a certain Emotionally way. safe. Um, I talked about cop-outs. My, my 60, 30, 10 rule of parenting. Okay. Um, levity, humor. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, that was Crucial. on my extras. Mm-hmm. EQ trumps IQ. Mm-hmm. And the role of BQ. Okay. Okay. Um, BQ is body, by the way. And then lastly is, what do we want for our kids? Mm-hmm. Like, can we answer that question? Because and, most of the time they say, I want my kids to be successful. I want my kids to be happy. And let's let's take a deep dive into that. And meaning, what is, how do we define that? Because Yeah, I think- because I don't want my kids to be happy because that's one of a whole bunch of other emotions out there. Mm-hmm. And what is success? Some mm-hmm. people think success is a high-paying job and... And getting married. And to others, that sounds awful. We're watching the TV show Alone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, their version of success is much different. Yes. And they just want to be around nature. I, I don't know what they're, you know, they all, some of them are partnered up, some are not. But just because I think it helps to begin with the end in mind. 
Well, and that's the, I mean, we'll dive in yeah, more we'll dive into in. that, but that is the thing is like, if you have a rigid definition of what success looks like, you're going to run into a lot of walls. Because we're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with human beings. And if you have more than one kid, you know, we have three girls and they all have different definitions of what success means to them. Therefore, our definition of success has to be very broad. Um, Do you have any extras that you want to share yeah, that we'll talk about? Yeah, my extras, you already said humor. That's a huge part of my life and the way I communicate with people. Um, practice. This, all of this is practice, um, consistency, you know, like you don't, you don't become self-aware one day and do a self-awareness workshop and then you're done. (laughs) There has to be like an ongoing practice. Um, pop culture is a huge part of my parenting, which I know sounds probably interesting to some, but I utilize the media, the news, movies, TV shows, and music to communicate not only with Todd, but myself and my children. Because that stuff makes you come alive. Correct. And what our kids want is for us to align ourselves with things that make us come alive. And I will say that they have all at some point appreciated that aspect of, it it can be super annoying sometimes. Like Todd and I are throwing out quotes from movies and TV shows all the time. The girls have grown up with it, you know, things around music, all that. But the girls, I've always wanted them to have a cultural literacy. Like if somebody says a quote I want them to be like, oh, I know where that comes from. You know, maybe not all the time, but there's there's cultural literacy is like this ability to have a sense of understanding of of a lot of a great amount of people. It's so funny. You want your kids to have pop cultural and you don't force it down their throat, which is great. I introduce them. You introduce them. And what I want my kids to do is to play chess and to be good at playing catch out front. Understood. And I sometimes try to shove that down their throat and they resist. Well, and I cultural literacy really only works for pop culture and books and that kind of stuff, but you want them to have an, an literacy of, um, you want them to have a little bit of sports understanding, mm-hmm. of like athletic understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and chess is, you know, there's something to it as far as how their brain works and seeing, looking ahead and, yeah. and being in this practice with someone. And, you know, your kids do go out in the world and there are people that are like, okay, we're going to play a quick game of softball or mm-hmm. something. And they may not be great at it, but you want them to know that they can catch a ball. You know what I, I do? You know what I sometimes think about is Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi. Uh-huh. Daniel's always asking like, oh, where'd you learn how to do that? And he talks about fishing or karate uh-huh. or just life Catching wisdom. Catching a fly? Catching a fly. And Mr. Miyagi's always like, I learned it from my dad, from mm. my father. Mm. And I'm always like, what am I teaching my kids? Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm teaching my kids how best to navigate their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I'm modeling what it looks like to be a hard worker. But I don't remember being, okay, uh, Cameron, today's Tuesday, and I'm going to teach you how to do blank. I don't think Mr. Miyagi's dad did that either. You know? I think there are things they had to do to survive, yeah. and they did. His dad would be like, here's what we're going to do here, and then you have to do it tomorrow. Like, I think the realization of what is needed in this space and time, we are not living in the time of Mr. Miyagi where Mr. Miyagi grew up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when he's like, I learned this from my dad, I can tell you a million things the girls have learned yeah. from you, but it may not be catching a fly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, and this is our ability. This is a big piece of Zen parenting about mindfulness is stay in this generation. It doesn't mean you can't contribute some of your, like what you learned in the eighties, what you learned in the nineties, but comparing how you were parented in the 80s versus how these kids are being parented today and thinking there should be some kind of 
you know, that you, you can use what your parents did and that it's going to be effective with your kids. No, you have to be here. You have to evolve to 2023 and you have to be with them and, or 2024 or 25 or whatever. You have to be with them in the current space and time. So do you have anything else on your extras to preview um, for next? No, podcast? I think that's good. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Craft, he's a bald headed beauty. He's been our sponsor since the very first episode. If you are doing any general contracting work in your residential house or apartment or condo, give him a call 630-956-1800. Kathy's got an amazing book called Zen Parenting. Um, where we discuss all these things. Where we discuss all these things. Um, men living, check that out. Um, connect deeply, live fully with other guys. And I'm also a life and leadership coach and I work one-on-one with guys. Um, anything else you want to? Happy 700th episode. It's been fun to talk about these things for 12 years. Yeah. And part two coming up next week. All right. Keep dragging. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.